Welcome to Rock's Fall Everyone Dies Wine and Spirits Edition, where my players get to complain about their DM to their DM. Actually, today I have a special guest. Juan is here with me. Or shall I say, Martello Limo Ramiro... Uh, 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 Martello Limo Ramiro Ursino Agosto Tursi. I like the extra R roll that you just did there. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. It was completely unintentional. As of the last couple of episodes of Wine and Spirits, if either DeSombra or I have been doing the interview, the first question is always about whether Chicago-style pizza is actually pizza. But for you, I have a special question. Oh, okay. Who are you, and how did you get on my podcast? I don't know. I've been trying to figure this out. We've never met. <laughs> That's right. We really haven't. I haven't met anyone in the podcast. I think I figured it out. I think I figured it out. And, and and tell me if I'm wrong here. All right. I think that you are friends with, or, or at least you used to work with, one of the people that DeSombra and I worked with at our school. And DeSombra told the friend, and the friend told you, and then you said, oh, that sounds fun. And then the friend told DeSombra, and DeSombra said, oh, here's this information for this person. And that's how we got connected. You see... <laughs> That would make a little bit more sense. And you're very, very close. You're I am. Very okay. close. Okay. The only difference is that the mutual acquaintance that we have, the person I used to work with, we'll just call her for the sake of not using her, her real name, but just have a name. We'll say Erica. Perfect. Erica one day just hit me up and told me about co-workers of hers that were doing a D&D podcast. And Erica being Erica, followed that up with, you like D&D, right? And I said, yeah, and that sounds cool. Okay. And then, from what I understand, decided to then ask DeSombra if you guys needed someone else on my behalf, even though I never said anything. And then next thing I know, I have DeSombra's <laughs> phone number. And then DeSombra's recommending me to you without me actually having to spoken to DeSombra. And then we talk. <laughs> and then it's like, yeah, you're on the podcast. And I'm like, I don't know how this happened. <laughs> At the time, I was under the impression thinking that DeSombra and you were friends, that you knew each other. Nope, never met. <laughs> like, she was vouching for you. I was like, <laughs> so this is all really freaking weird. It is. And I love it. Although I will say, for none of us ever actually having met you, you, you came in like a freaking whirlwind. Like, that was a really fun episode last week. It was so much fun to hop in, not gonna lie. I was kind of really nervous because I thought you were also under the understanding that I didn't know anyone. So... It's this, okay, so you're going to hop in as this dude, and I didn't really know how the tone was going to be or anything, and so I decided, you know what? If I'm going to come in on this, I'm going to either go in strong or I'm not going to go in at all. So you've graciously agreed to be our guest. I see what you did there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for, for the rest of this story arc, actually. Unless something horrible happens, which I have a few things in my notes prepared, and you and I are aware of them, and you, dear listener, do not get to know those things. Um, That's not ominous at all. You know what? You're not the first person to say that to me. <laughs> Fair, I wouldn't know. <laughs> all right, so that kind of explains, like, how did you get on my podcast? But I still don't know, who are you? What do you do? Like, we're, we're a podcast of teachers and students. I know you're a teacher. I still don't actually know fully what you teach. I work currently as a high school Spanish teacher. I'm teaching Spanish 1, 
and I like how absolutely nothing about my character is in any way related to anything I do for a living. So we, we're keeping our theme. We are a podcast of teachers and students. All right, so now I'll ask the question about pizza. Okay. Chicago-style pizza. Pizza, not pizza. So I've never had a good Chicago-style pizza. because I've never been to Chicago and spending most of my life here on the pizza coast. I mostly have New York style. DeSombre calls it the pizza belt. That term works very well as well. Yeah. I'm not going to say that Chicago style pizza isn't pizza. It's not pizza for me, but I mean, it it always looked more like a pie. I mean, it is a pie. And not a pizza pie, but just like a general pie. It's a crust with ingredients in it. But Well, yeah, but by that definition, a cheesecake is a pie. You know what? I'm not going to get into it because my answer to that question <laughs> was that I accept the the entire constellation that is pizza. So, oh yeah, uh, don't get me wrong. I will eat both happily. Ah uh, yes, <laughs> I do not have Martello's physique. No, no one has Martello's physique. No one. So let me actually get my questions out. Hold on. Um. <laughs> you know that song because i call it the elevator song because i'm a fan of jesse cox who is a youtube and twitch personality mm-hmm. for a long time in his playthroughs whenever there was an elevator and it would like be a, essentially like a way to fake a loading screen he would do this is the elevator song and i could sing it all night long it's so adorable. I love every part of it. I was singing it to my wife a year ago, and she said, oh, you know that song has a name. It does? And she knew it at the time, and since then has forgotten it, and I have forgotten it as well. <laughs> I would love to know what this song is. And I can't use the internet to look it up, because you can't search Duh, 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 on the internet. <laughs> Not with that attitude. Well, <laughs> I'm going to find it right now. I swear. Never mind. Apparently, I'll have to get back to you because the first things that popped up were Aerosmith and Flo Rida. So oh. I'm going to go ahead and say those probably aren't the right songs. No, no. I'm pretty sure this is from like the 30s. Um, <laughs> or maybe even earlier. Who knows? So tell me more about your history with tabletop gaming. Yeah, I did not get to grow up playing games like D&D and most tabletop games. My start with tabletop games was like regular card games like, you know, Yu-Gi-Oh! Or I got really into this other game called Warlord Saga the Storm that died several years ago. Mm. Which, just imagine Dungeons and Dragons in a card game, but with army structure. You know, originally Dungeons and Dragons was an army simulation game. It came from Chainmail. Yeah. Chainmail was the system that, uh, oh God, Gary Gygax's partner. I never remember his name. Ah, Dave Arneson. So originally they were working with the Chainmail system. It was a system for for using simulated armies. You didn't have characters, you had units. And the idea that between the two of them was to sort of shrink it all down and do combat on the individual scale. And eventually it became a, a very Lord in the Rings style high fantasy setting. But yeah, so I, the first time I got to actually play Dungeons and Dragons 
it was right after I graduated high school, and it was fourth edition. 4E? Really? Yeah. 4E was my first. I started with 3.5. When I started, 4E had just come out recently, I think. And I think I played a Dragonborn Paladin that I based off of Sean Connery. So... Braveheart. Not Braveheart. Dragonheart. Dragonheart. Yeah, yeah. Wrong movie. Braveheart was Mel Gibson. Freedom! You know, there weren't any bagpipes in that movie because Mel Gibson doesn't like the sound of bagpipes. I did not, but that somehow doesn't surprise me. There's a lot of Scottish flute music, but no bagpipes. Even though bagpipes is the quintessential Scottish instrument. To be fair, it's not just Scottish. I play Spanish bagpipes. You play Sp- Okay. I need to know, what's the difference? Smaller bag, fewer pipes. It's pretty much it. Sound? Generally, it's very similar. The pitches tend to be slightly higher, but that also depends on what key base your bagpipes at, honestly. But yeah, just for general history purposes, for those that are interested, I'm from Spain. When Spain was first being filled with people, it was the Moors coming in from the south and the Celtic people coming in from the north. So the northwestern edge of Spain is actually Celtic. And so... While the South is more known for like their flamenco and guitar, where I'm from is actually bagpipes and Celtic dance. I'm learning so much. Yeah, if you want to look it up, it's uh, Galicia. But yeah, so after I started playing 4E, I played that for a while on and off, but wasn't really getting into a continuous game until another friend of mine started DMing, and that's when I learned 3.5, and I'm like, oh, this is very different from what I first learned. I've never actually played 4th edition, but I've heard it described as RPG meets CCG, so collectible card game. Yeah. I'm going to be honest, I have not played 4E since like 2009, because once I started playing 3.5, I ended up never going back to 4E. Not out of an elitist attitude, but just because literally no one was playing 4E. To be fair, 3.5 was a big investment of time and resources, because there were so many rules and so many rule books all of which cost money. So anyone who had spent a lot of time and energy getting into 3.5 had already put down a lot of money, and there was going to be a lot of inertia keeping them in 3.5. It so cracked me up because most of the people that I knew that were playing 3.5 were completely fine jumping to Pathfinder. I will make an admission about Pathfinder. Back in the days of 3.5 when I was DMing, I would use pathfinder stat blocks and just bring them over almost one for one into D. oh yeah i mean they're very similar mechanics their differences are very slight have you like expanded out from dungeons and dragons have you done other stuff i know lena plays vampire the masquerade and i've played mutants and masterminds like those sorts of things i've gotten to play a few i've done call of cthulhu Mm. not in a while but i used to play that a bit I played Vampire the Masquerade once, but it was a playtest event at a convention where I got to play a one-shot session. Although one game that I played that was super weird, I think it was called Multiverser. I was at a convention, and the guy that made the game was there, and he was just demoing it. And the premise of it was you had a role play out as yourself. and You play as yourself. By the way, filling out your own stat block was very upsetting. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, I, I want to ask some follow-up questions about that, but please continue your story. So 
The game starts and the DM looked at each of us and was like, okay, based off each of our individual interests, for me, it was fencing. I am a fencing coach in real life as well. Oh, Lena also fences. Oh yeah, I think I got to talk to her about that. I've been meaning to have a longer conversation with her at some point about that. If we can get a schedule and make it work, then uh, how about you and she do a, a Wine and Spirits A Wine together? and Spirits on Guard edition? Oh my goodness, that's freaking perfect. I love that. <laughs> yes, we need to write that down. <laughs> Even though On Guard's not really said much in fencing. Yeah, but it's evocative. Oh yeah. I will try and set that up between the two of you. Although, <laughs> I'm hoping that we'll be able to get that done before your time with us is at an end. Hopefully it works out. And if not, maybe I'll get to come back and reprise my role if you don't kill me. I have no intention of killing you. After all, no one harms Martello. Martello's invincible. <laughs> Heroic pose. Cave pillows. <laughs> all right, so you were talking about multiverser. I'm sorry I kept oh, yeah. interrupting. Let's, let's, let's circle back. We'll put a pin in that conversation. We'll circle back. So the premise in multiverser, because the big problem with trying to play yourself in RPG is if you die, then what? That is a very good point. It's not like you can come up with a backup character. So the way it works is you just bought an item and that item was infected or made out of this weird material that doesn't fully exist in your dimension. It wants to exist between dimensions. And when you died, there was like an electric shock that like shocked you with it. And so it combined you with it. And so every time you die, it just sucks you in between dimensions because it wants to be whole fixes you, and then pops you back out. But every time you pop out, you're in a different dimension. Huh. But there's a group of people playing together. Yeah, and I have no idea how a long-running game would work. I only got to do the introductory session, which was mostly a, this is how the game could work. So all the players woke up on an island where we met a guy that explained the details of what's going on to us, and then is like, well, now you have to kill yourselves or you're going to die horrific deaths when this island just blows up because that volcano's about to go off or something. And we're like, no, we're not going to kill ourselves. So we all died in pretty horrific ways involving earthquakes and volcanoes and lava. I think I tripped and fell face first into lava, if, I don't, oh. if I'm not mistaken. Oh, my God. Just my face. Hmm. Yeah, not, not pleasant. Oh, then the DM, in order to give us an idea of the possibilities of the game, had us all come to in a different universe to show us a wide range of possibilities. So like one universe was like London, but everyone was a vampire. Another person woke up in a village about to be attacked by goblins. I woke up on the bridge of a starship. But at that point, since it's now spreading out so thin, we ran out of time and it, that was it for the session. So I have no idea how it would look, work long term or how the players would get back to each other to make a cohesive game. Yeah, that sounds more like something that you would do with one other person, you and a friend and nobody else. Because just thinking of it from like a DM perspective, that means you have to come up with X number of storylines for each session. Oh yeah, that was a game that after I played, I'm like, that would be fun to play, but I would never want to ask for anyone to deal with the nightmare that would be DMing that game. 
Yeah, that system might have died on the vine then because I've never heard of it. Of course, it's not like I'm super into the scene and know everything that's coming out. Yeah. But yeah, okay, that's interesting, I guess. Huh. And then besides that, I've gotten to also play games like Starfinder. Um, I played, I tried playing Warhammer 40k like once or twice, but the games just kept on falling apart. Uh, so it's been mostly D&D. For some reason, D&D seems to be the most reliable. Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the staples. It's got a pretty strong following out there. And it was really hard for me to find a game when I was still in Florida because geographically in Florida, everything's really spaced out. And I'm sure I could have found some game if I had tried. But when I came and moved up to New Jersey, it was much easier for me to find something because I guess because I was motivated and because I guess there are actual comic shops here and and that's fun. But anyway. Oh, no, I know what you mean. Like I've played a ton of games and like there was a board game store. I've played in comic book shops, although most of the games I've played in the last few years, even before this entire pandemic situation happened, have all been online. Hmm. Just mostly through Roll20. Partly because a group that I used Not to play Not a sponsor, with... but reach out. Oh, yeah. It's a great site. Carlos Luna, notice us. <laughs> Carlos Luna Senpai, notice me. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, people in a D&D group that I was in moved out to, like, Michigan. So we just switched to online so we could keep them in the game. Have you ever done play-by-post? Play-by-post. I have not. So, play-by-post, you still use all the D&D rules, but the story is driven by everybody writes a post describing your actions and what you do, and then you have a single dice roll. And then the DM writes back a snippet of what happens to you, and then you write back your reaction, and then it's the next person's turn. So it's just online text-based roleplay with D&D mechanics? Yes, it is that. That's interesting. It is extraordinarily slow. Oh, I can imagine. Play-by-post is very slow, and most games that are not with people you know tend to die before the first combat starts. I can see Or when the first combat starts. I did play-by-post for a while because after I graduated college, I was starved for (laughs) D&D. I couldn't find any groups to play with, so I I turned to play-by-post, and like every game I was in died within a couple of weeks. It was kind of miserable, not going to lie. But it was fun in its own way, and I got a lot of writing practice out of it. I mean, I've done text-based roleplay before. I've never tried doing it with D&D mechanics, but I can imagine how combining the two would kill off a lot of people, because you need patience for either, and putting both together, oof. Yeah. Yeah. I did hear recently, I can't remember the name of the site now, but they've recently launched a website where for like a fee, you can just hop on and join a random one shot that someone on there is DMing. Interesting. Specifically, if you are bored and on your own and you want to play D&D, here's a way to jump into a one shot without having to worry about scheduling. Well, if we can figure out what that website is called, I would love to reach out to them and ask them to sponsor us (laughs) rather than giving them free advertising right now. Fair. So you have character art, which it is going to be or it was going to be or I I don't whatever. Tenses are weird. The image in the website post is going to be your character art. Who did you use? And what inspirations did you pull from to create this magnificent specimen? So... This magnificent piece of 
cultured art was drawn by a friend of mine on Instagram. He's Rogue Panda Art. After having a discussion with you first about what Martella was going to be, I went, sat down with a friend of mine and just said, okay, here's what I need. Big square jaw, perfect hair, and so many muscles, even his armor has muscles. These are the key notes I need you to hit. And then from there, we then started working out a few other things. But he sent me that within like a few days. It was actually really funny because at one point we were having a bit of back and forth of just him sending me alternate versions of how muscly the armor could be. Do you still have those? I don't know. That was... I'll see if I can find them. Oh my gosh, if you can find them, I would love to put on the website the evolution of Martello. <laughs> if I don't have them, I'll see if he still has those files. I was just like, mm, I feel like it could... Is this muscle enough or do you want like side abs? Do I'm like side abs? I need side abs. If the question is, does it also need? The answer is yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> has, has the cloak been added to the art since? The cape of billowing? No, it hasn't. Oh, we should get on that. I should. <laughs> That and maybe one with him holding up the shield with his proud, proud frat symbols. Row, Omicron, Omicron, Row. Yes. Yeah. Which, by the way, for the listeners, Tommy got it at the time. Row, Omicron, Omicron, Row is Brett and Chet's fraternity. Oh, poor Brett and Chet. I have to say, it's so much fun playing the self-involved hero archetype and throwing in frat boy habits. Because they're oddly similar, but oddly distinct. Ah, uh, what fun. It is. Like I said, I just have so much fun playing Martello. In my regular home campaign, I'm playing a character that, because of how I rolled him, has high intelligence, high wisdom. The way his characters have to consider everything and be very careful. Meanwhile, with Martello, it's like, Hi, Bob. My name's Barnabas. <laughs> it's indulgent getting to play a dumb character. Uh, am I wrong? You're not wrong. My gaming group, that we have a rotating DM situation going on where I'll DM one week, another person will DM another week, and then a third person will DM a third week, and then it's back to me. Mm -hmm. The third game recently ended and has now been replaced where we're going to try and run through the new D&D &D supplement. Mm -hmm. And the character that I built has been a character that I've had in the back of my mind since before I started playing 5th edition. A war-forged frat bro. A bro-forged, if you will. And, my god, it is exactly everything I wanted. He is a worshipper of Brosidon, god of the Brosian. I went and found a copy of The Bro Code, the, the book that they made for the How I Met Your Mother <laughs> sitcom by Barney Stinson. Yes, with the sequel, The Playbook. I didn't know about the sequel, The Playbook. Now I have to download it. That is now this character's holy book. Because he worships at the Iron Church of Poseidon. <laughs> oh, oh, it is very freeing to play a dumb character. I have a concept for a character. It's an Azimer. I don't know if I would want him to be a sorcerer oh, or... Banked is an Azimer. Uh, okay, Banked was an Azimer. <laughs> you're going to listen through and you're going to find out all the stuff about these characters. Just keep player knowledge and character knowledge separate, if you will, please. Will do. All right. So, like, this Azamar character is the descendant of a planetar mm. that was, like, the planetar of vibin' with the universe. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, but the idea of just a planetar of just, like, vibing 
and being super chill and that was cast out of the heavenly domain because he napped through the clarion call that was oh, the call. He was too chill. <laughs> he was too chill. He was too chill, man. Everyone knows the dude is chill. Exactly. So this character's arc is redeeming his family lineage so they can be justified in returning to chill vibes. <laughs> I don't know why that concept tickles me so. (laughs) (laughs) That he's working to be chill? Oh my goodness, you have to work to be chill. Oh man. (laughs) To be chill, you gotta put in the time, man. I have gone through so many character concepts. (laughs) I'm definitely the type of person that just sits down looking at all the core materials and just starts putting out characters. It's like, oh, what about this concept? Oh, what if my character was like an arcane trickster pirate? Wow. Arcane trickster pirate. Oh yeah, I ended up giving him two levels in wizard. So I built the character concept base to be level six. So it's like four levels arcane trickster, two levels wizard going blade singer. Hmm. Interesting. I gave him find familiar so he could get a parrot. (laughs) And Uh... part of his thing, which I then realized I ended up having way too much fun with this concept because I gave him like the observant feat. And I realized, okay, because he has levels in Rogue, and because of the Observant feat, even though he has a 7 Wisdom, his passive perception's 19. Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay. And is able to read lips, see through this familiar, and can cast spells through the familiar. So I'm just like, what if I gave that familiar a vest, and in the vest they're like thieves' tools, and the bird flies in through a window, and then I cast Mage Hand through the bird, and the Arcane Trickster can then use the thieves' tools with the Mage Hand through the bird. That is very clever. And it was just such a fun concept. Then combine that with the pirate theme. It's like, all right, what's this guy's role on the ship and this and that. And one of the things I just thought of is like, wait, if he has the message cantrip and this bird, if they're like trying to go with like a few pirates to plan a big attack, that's an excellent way to maintain conversation and communication between the boats. The bird would, in essence, extend the range of message by an additional 100 feet. Yeah, because you can do that within 100. Oh, my goodness. This is really clever. That's a really And then good... if you add in the observant feet, this bird can just look through windows and read people's lips. So this guy's role on the ship was He's like investigating to find out what routes certain ships were going to go on so they could attack them as pirates. I see. Do you even need... Is it possible to do that in one level of wizard and then the rest of the levels of rogue? Because if all you need is the fine It is, but I ended up choosing to go two levels of wizard so that I could take blade singing. Because oh. I rolled the stats, and this character has uh, 18 intelligence, 18 dexterity, and while wearing studded leather, and if he goes into blade singing, his AC becomes 20, and he's able to cast the shield spell. Oh, wow. Building this character, I'm like, this character is very good in very specific scenarios. I love characters like that. I love characters like that so much. Now I want to play alongside this character. Not for the game IDM. I want to be a player in a game with you as another... Oh my goodness. (laughs) And I can't imagine how much of a nightmare it must be for the DM to just be like, yeah, no, I'm just going to send my bird and my bird can read lips. Yeah, I mean, it (laughs) obviates a lot of issues, but also, speaking as a DM, I can target the bird just as easily. 
That bird has one HP. Oh yeah, no, of course. The bird would have to draw attention to itself. It's a parrot, and there are hawks and eagles. The bird will have its own problems. <laughs> I'm just now picturing an eagle goes to attack it, the parrot just suddenly casts burning hands. <laughs> 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 what was that? Oh yes, no, it's actually Pot Dragon. Uh. <laughs> Zbashu, he's a cartoonist on YouTube. He does the animated spellbook. Okay. That's the name of his series. So one of the spells that he covered was a spell from Xanathar's Guide, Dragon's Breath. Okay. Because it's a touch spell, you can cast it on your familiar. Okay. And the familiar acts on its own turn. So essentially... You you wouldn't have to give up your own action. You wouldn't have to give up your own action to breathe fire, but you could command your familiar to do it. So you could essentially have a flamethrower in your hand if you had like a newt. That's even cooler than a concept I had for a shadow monk. I actually took that idea from that video and I built a wizard out of it with a raven familiar and i would fly around and i'd be casting burning hands and the raven would be casting fire breath and we'd just strafe past lighting everything on fire so satisfying the idea i had for a shadow monk that's kind of similar but instead of incinerating everything with fire it's just like you're never gonna see anything so taking magic initiate in order to gain access to once again the fine familiar spell because i love that spell so much it's a pretty great spell It is. The familiar you pick is a bat, because that is one of the options, which have blind sense. And then you just cast darkness as a shadow monk through the bat, and you just see through the bat's dark sense. Blind sense, sorry. Okay. That's a good... Oh, so you had this flying sphere of magical darkness that doesn't... Like, you would have to cast it on an, on an item, like a rock, but uh-huh. then oh, but the, the bat, bat could just pick up the rock and fly around, and you just, like, stick within range of it and take advantage of its, like, I think it's 10 feet of blind sense, or however, whatever blind sense it is. There's so much nonsense that you can pull with Find Familiar. It's such a great spell. It is. I'm just so glad that none of my players took it. martello comes back in the future level eight took fine familiar oh god (laughs) oh my goodness and with that (laughs) thought let's go to commercial break oh hey this is your friendly neighborhood surly turtle greg and your social media manager disombro just cutting in for a quick shameless self-promotion to tell you to like, share, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. To take part in polls or ask questions that you'd like us to answer in future Wine and Spirits episodes, or just to enjoy some spicy memes. To find all our handles in one convenient place, you can visit us on our website at rfedpod.com. If you like our show, sharing the show with your friends or leaving a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice will really help us grow and reach more people. And if you have a project or a business you'd like to promote on the show, reach out to us at rfedpod at gmail.com. Welcome back to the podcast. You are listening to Rock's Fault, Everyone Dies, Wine and Spirits Edition. After Dark. How are all you crazy cats doing tonight? (laughs) Because we are a podcast of teachers and students, let's talk more about school stuff.
We're not going to make this a complaining podcast, I promise. Um, what was your favorite subject in school? My favorite subject? Yes, when you were in school. You want to talk high school, you want to talk college, you want to talk before that. Are which... we talking about like subject throughout or like a specific class? Whichever one you wish to answer. So I think one of my favorite classes I ever took while I was in high school was video journalism. That was a high school class? It was the most basic version of what you can expect. It was doing basic interviews and then sitting down and editing video with the cheap editing software that they would have on school computers back in like 04. Oh, wow. Well, you just dated yourself there. Oh, I took the class after that. I'm dating the software. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I guess that's understandable because this first school I taught at had a media studies class. So I guess that's understandable that because back at back in my day we didn't have anything like that so okay so video journalism class was your favorite subject in school yeah it was so different than any other classes i was taking up until that point it was like the first class that it was like okay we're not gonna sit in rows we're gonna just chill and hang out and it was my first really eccentric teacher he would be like, yeah, no, I am the only person in the United States certified in teaching this one style of jujitsu. And all of my students that do this have this one finger up because my finger got fused that way from an accident I was in. And I chose to have it fused so that I could continue playing the saxophone while I was. And like every one of his like over the top stories would lead into another over the top story endlessly. And this was a high school teacher. This was a high school teacher. Oh, boy. Speaking of teachers, what was your best interaction with a teacher? I, and I said this to my last guest. It doesn't even have to be in school. You could have just seen him in the grocery store. I, it's fine. So I think some of my favorite interactions with teachers I've had have probably been interacting with them now as an adult. Hey, I'm no longer your student. I'm now your colleague. And getting to experience that other side of them that normally students don't really get to experience of their teachers. Sometimes it's surreal. One of my favorites, I'll never forget it. During my first year of teaching, I went up to this woman I was working with. I'm like, out of curiosity, did you teach in, I named a specific school. They responded, yeah, for like one year. And I'm like, oh, you were my eighth grade history teacher. They then looked at me and said, I hate you so much. You've officially made me old. <laughs> <laughs> that or I ran into a teacher that I had they were also my eighth grade teacher in a different subject. I mentioned, oh, yeah, no, I haven't been in this room since I graduated. Oh, you went here? Yeah, you were my science teacher. <laughs> oh, that's right. I remember you. You've gotten so tall since then. And I looked at them and in the back of my head. I'm like, I reached this height in seventh grade. Yeah, I smell BS. <laughs> <laughs> Funniest part is she still had my yearbook. Oh, I never bought the yearbook. Not that I don't appreciate and remember fondly some of the classes that I had and some of the graduating kids, of which Jin is one of them. Um, <laughs> not that I don't recall or remember or think it was great or, or want to cherish the memories. I was just too damn cheap to buy the yearbook. <laughs> I've never bought a yearbook as a teacher. As a student, you know, I got the eighth grade one and I got the high school one. But that was it. You know, graduation yearbooks. Just to bring it back to D&D... For a quick second and the and the podcast i i would like to ask you a question if that's okay mr interviewer oh the tables have turned oh yes go on 
I'm just curious, like, where your head was at with, I'm going to throw a curveball at my players now by introducing a full guest star that they have no idea is coming. Yeah, I kept you completely secret from them. We have been planning this for, what was it, two months? Yeah, it's it's been a couple months. Yeah. Yeah, we've been planning this for months. And at every time I would be like, all right, cool. Well, I can fit you in here doing this thing, which I'm not going to give the details because it's spoilers. It'll probably be a couple of episodes of time, but we'll fit you in as this sort of a character. I'll let you build the character, but these are the stipulations and these are where you would fit in the overarching story as a whole. And I sent you a little bit of background information about the city that they would go to where they'd meet you. Gamludina is the floating city, of which, of course, you discarded, like, all of it and decided that you were going to rename everything, which <laughs> I love it. At the same time, uh, headache. <laughs> I would apologize, but I do not feel bad about Martello getting every name wrong. You know what? It's only frustrating in the moment, that one moment where I was like, ah, yes, build my world for me. Tell me what all of these names and places are. And you're like, yeah, but it's canon that I get everybody's name wrong, so you're just going to have to rename them yourself anyway. I was like, ah, <laughs> hoisted by my own petard. Uh. Oh, what a perfect moment. <laughs> <laughs> It's like the equivalent of like, yes, I built a code to do this thing. Now it'll, whatever. No! <laughs> uh, adventures and DMing. Uh, <laughs> all right, so what was I talking about? <laughs> Where your excitement was, what was going through your head as the party didn't know what was about to come at them. Because they would have had no idea, especially since all of this is recorded social distance remotely. I prefer the term physical distancing, but okay. There wasn't even a hint of, oh, there's another dude that's in the building for some reason. Right. If we had ever recorded in person at all, then it would have been much harder to pull off. If we had done something like that, then I would have had you like come to the building where we record and Juan introduce your character and then open a door and you walk out. <laughs> You see, I wouldn't put it past you to be like, oh yeah, no, he's the plumber. There's something wrong in the bathroom. And then just lock me in the bathroom for like the <laughs> Or you just come in hours earlier than everybody else and I hide you in a back room. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we've always recorded remotely. We record in a Discord server. So essentially what I did... I held off on giving you the invite code for the server because I knew that if you were in the server beforehand, they would notice like, who's this in the server? This is a new person. So I warned you, just be on call. And when I introduce you, I'm going to send you the link immediately and you go ahead and click it and then join the channel immediately and start talking. Just to give you a little more context into this for the listeners, because of schedule issues, this kept on getting pushed back. Oh my gosh, yes. We were supposed to record a month ago. Yeah, a month ago. Like, when I gave you the idea, we were in the middle of the murder mystery arc, and then we lost two weeks where no one could record, and then it ended up being, like, three more episodes of the murder mystery arc instead of two more episodes. Then we had a short session where we did sort of like an epilogue thing and then we had to end early. And so that was another week that we couldn't record. <laughs> and then 
episode 16, the first half of the episode was that short week. The second half of the episode was the day this happened. So essentially there's like an hour and a half of time where you're sitting there waiting for me to send you a message. Yeah. <laughs> and then you appear. <laughs> it still cracks me up when it happens. Like I figure with the way I'm running everything, with the timing, you'll be introduced somewhere between 7, 7.30. That's when you're going to get into the game. Fast forward, it's like 9.15, 9.30. I'm just sitting there at my computer like, are you guys still playing? And I'm thinking to myself, oh God, Juan's sitting there. He's waiting for me to send him a message. And they're still messing around and joking about the list. Manticore bile and Gorgon blood left side only. And like <laughs> joking about the oh, map. Man. I felt so guilty, but it was all worth it because they were totally fooled. They had no idea you were going to be there. You appeared out of nowhere, came in like a whirlwind, and it was a great episode. We had so much fun. Oh, uh, man. It was a blast. I mean, like I said, I was nervous at first, but it was so much fun. Afterwards, Jin came to me and she's like, I feel so bad that he was sitting there waiting the whole time. It's like, yeah, you guys really made him wait. I was trying to rush you guys along, but you just were not taking a bait. Uh, honestly, I'm going to say I'm glad it happened that way because with that extended wait, it kind of made my nerves go from... I'm nervous. Oh my God. When's it happening? When's it happening? When's it happening? When's it happening? So, and then when I finally got the invite, I'm just like, finally, God, <laughs> hello, I'm Martello. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, I just love how I let you have a cape of billowing and an armor of gleaming and pecs that moved because <laughs> i mean you're the guest yes make your character as flamboyant as possible none of those items actually have mechanical benefit although you do have an item that has a mechanical benefit that we are going to hold back from our listeners you'll just have yeah. to find out <laughs> oh boy oh <sighs> I do have more questions on the list. We're, we're running a bit long. Do you mind sticking around a little longer? Yeah, sure. All right, cool. You're a Spanish teacher now. What was your major? My major, when I was starting college, I was thinking about going math and business because my original goal was to open a restaurant. At the time, I wanted to be a chef. And someone convinced me to going into the business end of that instead of the practical end because there weren't too many good culinary schools close by me at the time. And then the type of thing that happens when you go to pursue a passion from the wrong end, you get disillusioned, so you end up switching from one thing to another. At that point in time, I was also going back to my old high school and volunteering as a fencing coach. And so while I was doing that, I ended up being able to get that sense of pride of looking at a student and being like, they just accomplished that because I taught them that. I worked with them and now they're able to do this thing. And so that's where teaching started getting into the mix. Mm. And then after that, I just ended up switching from math to Spanish just because I came to the decision I didn't want to have to just be redoing the same math again and again and again for the rest of my life. That's fair. Credit to math teachers, man. Yeah. Credit to them. Math teachers, oof, yeah. Math is a hard subject to deal with because there's a lot of pressure on math teachers oh yeah 
Yeah. And all the parents complaining about, what's all this new math? No, a middle school, high school student is not going to be learning quote unquote new math because new math is like non-Euclidean geometry stuff. Like all the math that they're learning is thousands of years old, but it's new math because it wasn't taught that way in the United States for a long time. But that's a separate issue. Like Side note, new math is also a song written and performed by Tom Lair comedian from like the 1950s 60s yes and uh his element song is my favorite he's a solid performer yeah or was anyway okay that sort of answers my question and my follow-up question of how does that apply to what you do your day job now (laughs) yeah so thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with me Juan. anytime any parting words for uh me or our listeners yeah i want to thank you for letting me have this opportunity based on the vouching of someone that didn't really know me. <laughs> no, but jokes aside, I do want to thank you for, as well as all the answers, but I mean specifically you here, just for all the work that you're doing on your end for writing the story and giving me the chance to hop on and be the ridiculousness that is Martello and getting to just do all of this. I mean, you said it yourself a few times. It was fun. Like, just straight up fun. And that fun would not have happened without you. Well, I'm not as gracious at taking compliments as I could be or would be more convenient to be. But I will take that compliment. Thank you. And I guess the one thing I want to just say to listeners is appreciate your DMs. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Like, DM Appreciation Week. We do work. I DM a game as well. It's work. It's a lot of work. but But without it, all the fun won't happen. I have so many plans for your character for the future. Anytime I can pull you out of my back pocket, I know this. I plan to keep Martello around for a long time for my evil porpoises. <laughs> you will be my accomplice in all of this, in torturing my players. He said porpoise because in the future, a porpoise will be my steed. <laughs> <laughs> yes! Yes! I just ride in, aha, this is me and my evil porpoise. And I'll just, I'm just going to add in a flipper sound right in here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, 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 thank you. I now, for myself, need to make an aquatic-themed campaign just to have an evil character and their evil familiar, their evil porpoise. I need to now. For evil porpoises. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Juan. Thank you for coming in. We should do this more often. (laughs) Most definitely. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Rocks Fall, Everyone Dies. It would really help us if you subscribe, share, and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Our theme music is by Taylor Calise. Additional sound effects courtesy of Zapsplat.com. And our thumbnail art is by John Bliss. Find more of his work on Twitter at John Bliss Art. Our episodes are produced by me and co-edited by our resident Mushroom Jin, who streams on twitch.tv slash Our social media manager is our favorite surly turtle, Sambra. You can find all of our social media handles and full show notes on our website, rfedpod.com. I'll probably just cut out everything I said, because I'm the, I'm the least interesting person in this conversation. <laughs> Don't be like that. Hey... Without you, this wouldn't be happening. I'm not sure whether that's a blessing or a curse.